Friday. You know I had to hit the old beat. What do, baby? Yeah. What do do, like a nation? But I wanted to do hood rat stuff for my friend. Y'all fucked up. Snoop, talking to you, nigga. Well, you're sorry, husband. It doesn't matter what your name is. New blood. League is changing. We here. Wow. All right. Where do I begin? Where do I begin? I might trigger some people on this one. Now nah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say what I say. I said what I said. I feel how I feel. Let's start Blazers Nuggets. Nugget fans, I feel for you. I, I understand how this goes, where you you're having this success now. You can't help but think, what if we had Jamal Murray? I mean, if we had Murray, we'd have a legit shot at probably winning it all this year. I believe that as well, but I think the silver lining is in his absence, Michael Porter Jr. is showing his ass. And right now, he looks like he may never relinquish this number two spot that he's fallen into due to injury. If you look at some of the other skilled perimeter bigs, guys that are 6'11", 7 foot, Towns, Miles Turner, Porzingis, they all still move like bigs. They're skilled, they can shoot, a little handle, but they still move like bigs ultimately. Michael Porter Jr. moves like a wing. That's the scary thing, right? That's where the KD similarities are. And look, he's not that because no one is, right? No one's KD. But as far as like a fluid seven-footer with a stroke and confidence, yeah, man, he might be Joker's Robin ultimately. And that's no that's no diss to, to Murray. Guys bounce back from the ACL all the time. Murray's still going to be an all-star caliber guard, but I'm just saying, Porter Jr., you can't teach that size. What do you do when he's going? What do you have, six threes in the first quarter? First half? Shit. Tell you the truth, though, there's little there's little plays or things that happen in a game where I feel like I'm like, oh, that's it for them. When Monte Morris hit that runner at the end of the third, I was like, oh, shit, that's it for Portland, right? He hit that. That's just That just felt like a bad omen, right? And then Dame... Goes one of eight in the second half after having, you know, a big typical Dame first half. Do you remember there was a quote from him earlier in the year where they asked about him playing off ball and moving off ball? And he said something to the effect of, well, that's just going to waste my energy. It's kind of a waste of time. Now, that's not verbatim. You can go look up exactly what he said, but it was along those lines. Basically, like, why would I do that? Because I'm going to end up with the ball anyway and I need to do my shit. Why waste my energy? And I remember thinking, like, Dame doesn't really get it, does he? Because what Dame does at this point has been proven to not be sustainable. It's amazing to watch, but ultimately it's not a winning recipe. Not at the level that he wants to be at, right? And here's the reality. CJ should have been a sixth man all along. He should have been Lou Will 2.0. But because of the relative success they've had, they fooled themselves into thinking they were real contenders with this backcourt. Probably looking at Golden State and saying, well, Steph and Clay, we got Damon CJ. Newsflash. This ain't that, and that ain't this. I'm not even going to touch on the Dame stuff. I'll just remind y'all, Dame has never won a playoff game against Steph. He's 0-10. But the real issue is CJ. Because he's nothing like Clay, right? They're not cut from the same cloth. I think some of y'all fail to realize Clay Thompson is a first balloter. CJ McCollum, 
He's a nice scorer. I don't know how I got into this rant. I guess, I, I, I mean, I, I know how I did. Again, because I think that the Blazers have been measuring themselves against the Warriors for the last four or five seasons. And I think they think their backcourt is good enough to do it because of what the Warriors' backcourt has done. And I think it was silly. So my prediction is CJ McCollum and Stouts are both going to be gone. Dame with the Nipsey quote after the game last night was more or less the green light on those two. And look, CJ, again, a nice player, now on the wrong side of 30. I brought up, he's looking a little hefty now. I don't know how much how much focus is on basketball at this point in his career. He's been paid. He's got his wine business, his podcasting, right? Okay, too bad they extended him with that big deal. And again, I, and I don't want to slander Dame. I think Dame can be the best player on a championship team, but not the way Portland constructed their teams over these years. They've just kept doubling down on offense. And that was my point there is like, Clay Thompson is a big, big guard who's a lockdown defender who played along Steph. CJ is not that, right? That was my point here. I will say though, I, I love the way those two handle these L's. Maybe it's because they're, they're accustomed to it, right? Every year they're doing it, so they've gotten better and better at it. But they always stay around, show respect, show love to the opponent, man up, answer questions, right? They, they're great sports when it comes to it. I, I have nothing to say as far as those guys being men and competitors. Lakers, Suns. I'm just stepping in from, from my daughter's summer league game. And their they're game's starting. They're rolling in here. And I'm, oh, Gasol's starting, right? I'm looking. Crowder hits a three right away. Oh, Gasol couldn't get out. And then I, I double glance. I go, wait, I, I almost spit out my drink. AD was playing. AD was playing. Go check my Twitter feed. You can watch it unfold in real time. It's, it's kind of funny. AD was playing. And he could barely move. You saw Book test him right away on a switch. Pulled him out. Was like, okay, bet. Let me see what you got here. And you could just see, you know, he gapped him. He contested. But you're like, oh, he could barely move. He could barely move. Sure enough, five minutes into the game, down goes Anthony Davis. Shame on Laker Nation. Shame on LeBron. Shame on Snoop Dogg. His ignorant self, man. Does he even have a groin? His old bony ass. Anthony Davis was out there because he felt the pressure. You heard Charles Barkley calling him street clothes. Now, the reason I'm not going to go with Charles is because Charles... We have to have context. Charles does that to everybody. Charles goes at everybody's neck about shit, right? So Charles was doing it for the comedy. And so I'm looking at LeBron because, I mean, that's his guy, right? We, we, it's so well documented, the championship run last year, how close they are. How do you let your guy go out there like that? LeBron's no dummy. LeBron is the, the guy that's taking care of his body better than anybody in the league the last 15, 20 years. He knows better. So how, why is LeBron letting him go out there? Was that out of desperation? The team medical staff is going to catch the fade for this, right? But in reality, they're just doing what they're told. You ever see any given Sunday, Pacino, Jamie Foxx, you know, Willie Beeman, as over the top as that movie is, one part that wasn't was the team doctor. Remember the scenes where he's, he's clearing all the dudes to play because that's what he's told to do. Why do you think so many of these guys hire their own training staff? Kawhi, you just heard Donovan Mitchell, right? It's kind of a conflict of interest. The team doctors have the team's interest. They're going by what the team wants, not what the player wants necessarily. I think that's a real thing and no better evidence than last night because all of this could have been deaded if the team doctor just said, sorry, I'm not clearing you. But then as I watched AD on the sidelines after, looking at his face, you know what I saw? I saw relief. I saw relief in AD's face once he iced up and just stood on the sidelines. And it dawned on me, 
AD knew what he was doing. AD knew what he was doing. He was like, all right, look, I got a, I got a groin strain. Laker Nation is killing me. They're on my neck. They think I'm soft. I'm going to go out there and I'm going I'm to pull it even worse. And I'm just going to show y'all. I'm just going to show y'all. Like, he, you know, it, it, was, it was on purpose. I think he knew what was going to happen. And he ultimately just pushed his way through and said, and I know I just sat here and blamed everybody else for it. But yes, ultimately, AD has to, has to yay or nay it. And he yayed it because he wanted to prove a point to Laker Nation. The funny thing was, though, even at, let's just say hypothetically the game plan was, hey, we're just going to start you, play you a couple minutes, and just kind of give the crowd and the team a boost. You'll be a decoy for a few minutes in the first quarter. It backfired, right? Because the second he went down, it completely deflated the arena and the team. Well, book helped too, right? Book helped too. What do you have, 22 in the first? Straight light show. Suns hit 10 threes in the first quarter. I want to give Book his flowers, right? I've been a believer. Check my receipts. I've been a believer in Devin Booker. But it also feels like these 40, 45-point nights are just going to be a common big game stat now, right? Like, hey, so-and-so, he had a big night last night. He dropped 47 threes. When a few years ago, when you'd see that stat line, you'd be like, yo, did you see what so-and-so did? Now it seems like we're seeing this every other night from someone, right? So, Again, on this stage, in an elimination game, that's big shit from Book. I don't want to take anything away from him. I just think we're getting a little... Let's not focus on the numbers. Let's focus on the results, is what I'm saying here. Because these 40 pieces, they're kind of commonplace at this point with how prolific the three ball has become. My patrons know. Like, if you're someone who follows me closely, what did I say at the beginning of the year? I shat on all the Laker moves, and I said, look out for the Suns and Devin Booker. And I mean, I'll tell you what, this Laker team could quickly become a shit show, right? Like Drummond doesn't even see the floor. Trez gets a quick whiff at it. You got Schroeder taking Lakers off his Twitter handle before the game. AD falling apart in front of their eyes in his what's supposed to be his physical prime. LeBron finally meeting father time. Did y'all hear the lying from the Lakers sideline last night? It reached Trump levels. My guy, Chris Haynes, <laughs> poor Chris Haynes, right? He's new, new at the sideline shit. And you ain't got to report that, Chris. Like, I know he's trying to be very professional and report what's being told, but it was like, bro, he, he reports back. The Lakers say Anthony Davis has not re-injured his groin. He's just in pain. He's questionable to return. Oh, word? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yo, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's fitting in Los Angeles, the La La Land, right? Or the land of Hollywood and acting. Some of the shit they were trying to get off during the game as far as AD's status and stuff, it was like, oh, man, this, this is looking bad. This is looking desperate. But like most of you did, I'm sure you hung on to watch them go down in flames. Inevitably, though, they climbed back in the game, right? They cut it to 10 with about seven minutes to go, right? They've finally got some momentum. And LeBron points to Vogel. He's like, hey, I got to come out. I, I need a breather. And that's the difference. That's father time. Braun can only play in spurts now. Never mind the ankle. He's still finding a way with his IQ and his frame and his size to, to be effective. Obviously, the ankle limits some of the stuff, but he can still be effective. It's just not all the time. He can no longer carry them. And so I thought that that was like, it's like, wow, for him to ask out at that stage in the game in an elimination game, again, just speaks to father time. Saw Stephen A. Smith this morning trying to blame Frank Vogel. 
That's about the most misguided blame you could have. I mean, Vogel's got to be at the bottom of the blame totem pole, in my opinion. Like, what you didn't give him the horses. Vogel's been in, super impressive this season through what they've battled through and what he's got out of Alex Caruso and Horton you know, Tucker and these fucking guys. You ask me. Now, Palanca, he can get some. He can get some for the Trez move, the Gasol move. Remember when Laker Nation was was celebrating Andre Drummond? <laughs> anyway, I'm going to leave it alone, man. I don't, you know, I don't even want to kick people when they down like that, man. But, I mean, what are we going to do? We got to talk about what happened. I got to talk. What am I going to ignore it? Shit. So, now Palanca is going to have to find a way to trade Kyle Kuzma for more than, you know, I don't know, like a fir- late first round pick and some hair dye. I mean, that, you want to, wee Look, Laker Nation, y'all got the chip, right? So if you ask me, it's worth it. You got the chip, bubble or not, but now, let's face it, this shit looks like it might burn to the ground. And I'd be lying if I didn't say, I'm here for it. As for this Jazz-Suns matchup, I'm not here to play no games. I got the Suns in seven. I got the Suns in seven. I know the TV networks may not like it, but as fans, this is great, right? We get to see two young guys Go at it in Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell. Entering superstardom in the beginning of the primes of their careers. And I understand there's way more to this matchup than, than just those two. But ultimately, I'm going to take Booker over Mitchell. I just think he's a better, more calculated basketball player. And when push comes to shove in these big moments in the playoffs, the basketball IQ, the feel for the game, is what's going to separate some of these guys at this point. All right, let me finish up with a little bit of Warriors talk here because I had some people asking me some stuff here. Let me play you this Joe Lacob snippet from January. You know, there's no guarantees in life, right? I mean, I don't know what Steph's going to decide at some point, uh, and it's up to him. He's earned the right. You know, uh, I say that all the time about these guys. Kevin left. I'm not mad at Kevin. He earned the right to be a free agent. if, If we're not a place he wants to be or someone wants to be, then they have the right to go somewhere. But, you know, we also have the right to to do what's best for our fans and uh, fandom and so on and, and try to have the best team. And players do get, when they're young, they get better or worse. But they usually get better. And then when they get older, you know, sometimes they start to decline. So we all have to look at all those things and there's contracts and it is a business. And um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, we will come to an accommodation with Steph to keep him here for a long time, but people need to understand it's always, even Joe Montana didn't stay at the 49ers forever. Uh, it just worked out that way, and it's unfortunate. We all would have liked to have seen the opposite. But so you, you can't you can't guarantee these things, but that is the expectation and the goal. Warriors Twitter was going nuts over that. Look, I think Joe Lacob is being who he's been his whole life, a businessman. That's what all businessmen do, right? They posture. Never let them know how bad you want them or need them. Negotiation 101. But I guess, you know, Warrior Nation's like, well, it's not even a negotiation. It's not even it's not even a question, right? Easier to say when it's not your money. But I also think in the back of Lacob's mind, he knows that the end of that extension could look crazy for a 37, 38, 39 year old Steph Curry. I don't know how long it's going to be. But, you know, he's watching the king himself right now, not able to escape father time. So I think there is an element of that. But I also think people are thinking about it wrong. Because to me. What it really means is if he feels that way about Steph, how do you think he feels about Clay or Draymond? Like Steph's going to stay, right? Steph's going to stay, but if, if he can say that about Steph, 
everybody that says, oh, they'll never trade Draymond, you know, that's my point. That's my point. Now, speaking of Draymond, you saw him all week clutching on TNT. I wish he was in studio last night. I wanted to see him try to explain what happened with Team Clutch last night. But, you know, look, everybody is praising Draymond for, you know, his presence on TV. And I, I think he's good, right? I think he, he has potential. People are being a little bit extreme about it. Oh, he's brilliant. He's amazing. Uh, I don't know. Is he? Is he? I think it really speaks more to how bad the former NBA players are on TV. Now, Shaq and Charles, they're entertainers. I don't really count them, right? But I think the standard for the player analysis is just way lower. I don't know how many of y'all are football fans, but you go turn over to the NFL Network, the NFL coverage is just running circles around the basketball guys. The former NFL players that do TV now, they're running circles around these NBA dudes. And I think what it comes down to is the game of football, there's so much more tape and studying that goes into it, that these guys just know how to talk the talk better. Because the reality of it is, is there are a ton of star caliber players in the NBA. They just go play ball. They just go play ball. They can't really tell you about nothing. They just go play, right? Where the NFL, those guys, they got to spend hours and hours in the film room and studying schemes and defenses. And so innately when they get on TV, they're just far superior. And so, yeah, man, I think Draymond, obviously, if he wants to do that, he has a future there because he is he is a good mind, but he's speaking candidly. But I think we're overreacting. We're saying how good he is when really it's just that most of the guys are just bad. So tonight, Dallas Clippers game six in Dallas, if I have that correct. And then Saturday, I believe, is Bucks Nets game one. Patrons, I'm, I'm, I'm circling that. I'm circling Bucks Nets game one. And then if we get a Dallas Clippers game seven, I'll squeeze them both in. Y'all enjoy the weekend. This is the Hezzy brought to you by basketballgods.net. I'm out, y'all.